great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to the next episode of Empowered in My Skin. Our guest today is the founder of Agape Lens Consulting and Therapy. With over 12 years of experience and expertise in the field of mental health, particularly in supporting racialized communities. She provides psychotherapy and consultations in various areas, including leadership, coaching, workshops, and team consultations, all grounded in a trauma-informed, anti-racist, and holistic approach. Her focus on repairing relationships and promoting wholeness and unity has made a significant impact in helping individuals, families, and organizations achieve sustainable change and healing. I trust that you are as excited as I am to learn more about our guests. So please join me in a big, gigantic podcast welcome for Simone Donaldson. (laughs) So full transparency is so funny because my team typically goes out there and finds amazing humans that are doing empowering stuff in this world. I found you. I found you. Yes, I found you. I found you. I think I found you on Instagram. And I was like, Gappy, I just love the name of your business. So really, really excited about you saying yes and really excited about getting into some conversations with you. So to kick you off and to start you and ground this, can you share, Simone, what was your most empowered thought that you've had today so far? Ooh, most empowered thought today? Yeah. Um, actually it was, you know what? Mm -mm. Take it one step at a time. Ooh, (laughs) didn't we get into into a little bit of that? that? (laughs) Yeah, because honestly, like there's so much to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been trying to just pack a lot of things in one day at times. Yeah. And what I realized is that never helps anything because oftentimes you then get overwhelmed and you're just like, I'm about to do nothing, right? So you're like, (laughs) I can't do anything. Let me just rest here until I can maybe figure it out in my head. And I just decided to like say, okay, what's the top three things that you can maybe accomplish today? And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to save the rest for another day. Um, and I think it's so easy, especially when you're an entrepreneur to have like 10 million things in your head at once. And so it's, it's really important to pause and, um, you know, be realistic about what you can accomplish in a day and be okay with that. Um, because yeah, like I'm one person and it's, it's also just okay to slow down a little bit. So I feel like that was what motivated that because the overwhelm was trying to come on real strong. And I said, no, 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 not today. Not today. And, um, I, love, and I love, and I love that you like, you put into like three things and, and mm-hmm. chances are you get that done. It just empowers you for tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to get into your experience now. So um, how has your experience as a registered psychotherapist shaped sort of your approach to addressing anti-black racism in your work? 
Oh my gosh, it it has really shaped it tremendously because mm-hmm. as a therapist, one of the things that we obviously use as our skill is observation and listening, um, empathy, and I mean, the list could go on really, but I do believe in addressing anti-Black racism. Part of the challenge um, that I've seen is that a lot of people just don't listen to each other very well. <laughs> um, and so when I'm doing this work, whether it is that I'm addressing anti-Black racism for those who are experiencing it, so Black communities, or whether I'm working with leaders or, you know, um, team members, I I really try to get a sense of their needs. What is it that they're saying behind what they're not saying, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result of that, try to ensure that I'm addressing those needs um, to help engage them and know that safety and trust can be found here Mm -hmm. um, in my space. And I think that has been such a uh, important tool for me to use as I as I move through this work for sure. And so I'm going to just ask you a question though because you said something really mm-hmm. like at the beginning of this we just don't listen to each other very well. Yes. And with the with the when when all of that news broke out about Tyree Nichols. Mm, my gosh. Yeah. And in the work that you do, what came up for you in terms of how people were listening to this particular experience um, and in, and what have you had to like give your voice to? Oh boy. So I, so if I'm, if I'll be completely honest Please. and transparent <laughs> because I, because I do this work oftentimes and being a black body myself, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes, and especially since, I guess, you know, the murder of George Floyd, to be quite honest, um, and the overwhelming amount of news um, and what do they call it? Uh, media porn, mm. so to speak, oh, with gosh. these black bodies dying. It's been it's, it's actually been challenging for me to stay um, so honed into all the information that's kind of being shared out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so personally, I try to, um, you know, create a level of boundary so that I'm not always completely in in the information, in the, you know, videos or um, on social media at times. Like I make sure to first and foremost take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, because of the, the impact and because vicarious trauma is very real. So this idea that, you know, you may not uh, experience something directly, but it feels as though you are. And that's a level of trauma that the Black community often experiences when we see bodies being killed, for instance. Um, I do ensure that I'm checking in with my clients around that, um, try to see what their experience is and how to also help them create boundaries, but also create a space for them to righteously feel angry mm. and, and explore that with them. Um, and then if I'm going to organization, which of course I did around that time, uh, I did a leadership coaching session you know, I, I ensured that we didn't ignore that in the room because mm-hmm. I think sometimes people forget the reality of anti-Black racism and how violent it is. And so I am very intentional with both keeping myself well and safe because otherwise, how do I show up, right? Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, creating conversations both uh, in, in my therapy sessions and or in, in my organizational or corporate kind of sessions as well. Mm-hmm. That's I love that. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things I found, um, when this kind of came out and some of the, where the conversations sort of sent around is, I think there was a lot of people that thought 
prior to this that a lot of the issues that were coming out of the black community were white cops to white white cops to you know the black community. Yes. Um, yes. And I realized that this created a lot of confusion for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And I think where the conversation needed to, well, rightfully in a lot of areas, turned to was you no, know, it's a system. And yes. It's not a system that's just that only a few are impacted. Everyone's impacted by the system. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, that and what that, how that resonates for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, wow, there's so many ways to go with this one question um, because you're right. So when we talk about things like white supremacy and anti-Black racism, it's not just an individual uh, kind of experience. It's very much systemic, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that white system, white supremacy is embedded in um, our education system, our police system, in, uh, you know, why poverty is being experienced by certain bodies at disproportionate rates, why certain people are in leadership, and and the list goes on and on and on. And as a result of this embedded kind of uh, ways of of racism, um, we all have this level of implicit bias, right? And implicit or unconscious bias really is this idea that, you know, we've normalized the standard of whiteness, essentially. Mm. And so even as a Black body, sometimes I could see another Black person and assume something about them right Mm -hmm. we could assume that they also are aggressive like the police would we could assume that they perhaps live in poverty or aren't intelligent enough or shouldn't be in you know leadership roles Mm -hmm. we even as black bodies internalize these experiences and um, as a result can act towards one another unfortunately in in very negative ways that kind of perpetuate this idea of anti-black racism and so when I think about this experience with these black cops who 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 murdered our young brother um you know i could only think that of course that that played a role in how they handled him right yeah. uh, i could only i could only assume that but then we also go about you know the charges that were laid on these cops like almost right away <laughs> Right? Like, is it, it's, it's nuts. It really is crazy. And I don't think anybody's really surprised about this, mm-hmm. but it's like so clear, right? right? It's so clear that certain people deserve to be put away and certain people deserve to be free. Yeah. Right? And how long yeah. have we been fighting for our liberation and freedom, right? Like mm-hmm. my body and soul, to be honest. And and it's really, of course, it's systemic. It's systemic mm-hmm. to keep us down, to keep us inferior, to keep us away, to keep certain stereotypes upheld mm-hmm. because, um, you know, we're constantly being rejected and othered. Yeah. So absolutely, this whole scenario is, is, is based in systemic racism and not just an individual one-time experience. Racial trauma is real and you know one of the things i've just like i've been praying and i said you know what to that to that latter piece where you just saw Mm -hmm. the swift justice that was you know um that was dealt is that it's it's demonstrative that the system Mm -hmm. works because that is actually what should happen when that kind of violence is imposed yes you know and so that's what i would that's where we got to double down on that yeah yeah. yeah. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. Certain folks get, you know, um, 
are just valued and some are and yeah, some no. are not. Like yeah. it really comes down to that. And that implicit bias that I spoke about earlier is why certain folks get, you know, um to thrive in this life and others yeah, um yeah. are constantly oh, trying to survive. Yeah. 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 So this is good good segue into the next question I have, which is can you speak to the significance of creating a black he- black healing spaces and why it's important for racialized communities? Oh my goodness. It is so important and I feel like for me, that is so much a part of like, I guess my calling, my purpose is mm. to ensure that we are healing. I often talk to folks about anti-Black racism and the fact that, you know, racism in our lifetime, we probably won't see that erased. Like it's probably going to be here for another few hundred years. That's mm-hmm. just the reality, right? Mm-hmm. And in that time, we need to be t- able to take care of ourselves as Black people. We need to be able to heal, right? Because even if racism didn't exist tomorrow, we're still left with those wounds, those wounds mm-hmm. that are both intergenerational and racially, uh, like, induced day by day. And so these circles are important because, number one, oftentimes, like I had mentioned earlier, there is an experience of a a lack of safety for the Black body, whether it's through racial microaggressions, so these subtle experiences that invalidate our our Blackness or that um, continuously tell us that we're not good enough or reject us in this society or the psychological safety that we experience at work while we have to code switch. Mm -hmm. And so coming together as a people is important to be able to relate to one another and say, oh, shoot, you you also experience this, yeah. so it's not just in my head, right? Um, because, again, the, the, the racism is so embedded. Sometimes we even question whether we've experienced a racist act, and that leaves us disoriented. And so being able to, number one, come to a safe space to be able to connect on these things that we often are struggling with silently is important. Also, being able to honor and celebrate our Blackness um, mm-hmm. in all its ways, right? Because because we're not a monolith, um, but being able to center the things that our ancestors left for us or the things that, you know, make us who we are mm-hmm. is really important in this space. And I really do believe it takes a village to raise a child. Like, I really believe in that. I believe that we're all the children and we're all the village. Mm-hmm. And at different points in times, we need to be held and different points in times we need to lean into. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for me that we have safe spaces for Black people to um, identify themselves, uh, you know, without any kind of shame or any kind of, um, you know, rejection and and know that they can be held even throughout, um, you know, their different experiences and move through it as a unit. Like, I believe we can move forward as a people if, if we um, also prioritize our healing. And so these circles are so very, very important to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, that just, uh, like the whole time there, I was just like, I felt this, um, how do I say, this ever-present energy as you were speaking, because mm-hmm. even yesterday I had, um, I assembled with a, a number of my uh, girlfriends, right, and we all mm. obviously, you know, everyone in that room, we all look look like each other, and uh, yes. and it was such a healing space. We actually had like mm. a, a circle share, and um, 
thing. Yeah, it was just it was it was it was needed, you know, it was like it was sort of that moment you didn't even know that was needed. And that's kind of what I felt when you were just explaining the importance of that. Right. So absolutely. Absolutely. We are wired for connection. Mm -hmm. Like we are wired for connection. And there's so much science research out there. And and if you're a believer, the word talks about it. And I, I mean, there's so much evidence that states that we actually require each other. And it's one of our strongest healing tools. Mm -hmm. Um, to be in healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. Like even when we talk about trauma and repairing the brain, the way in which we start to feel safe, mostly the most effective way to feel safe and to feel grounded and to move through difficult situations is being in community, right? Um, And I believe our ancestors got that long time ago. Communal healing and um, just being in community is has always been integral to who we are. And it's what brought us, you know, even where we are today. Um, And so I utilize that in everything that I do, this this idea of um, connecting healthy relationships and and being um, with one another. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about your Love Lens framework? Absolutely. So again, I I really, so I can tell you, you know, a bit about where this kind of started. There was yeah. just a point in time in my career where I just had this heavy burden of like seeing, you know, this was a point in time when I think social justice concerns in general were just becoming more rampant in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, as a social worker, you can't help but to, you know, kind of be engulfed in in, in all of that. Um, but then also, I, again, as a therapist, I just was having a lot of experience with um, clients who were having a troubling time with family members. And a lot of the family members, actually, that I was seeing at the time were, for instance, new immigrants and let's say they you know had family reunification issues because a a child was left back home mom came here to you know start a better life and and so that family connection was starting to uh, deteriorate right Mm -hmm. and then and then on the other end I was seeing a lot of things in organizations where you know employees weren't listening to their employers and and vice versa management wasn't listening to staff there was no um there was no consideration for what each person was feeling or needing and then again if we talk about social justice once again everybody wants to be heard right everybody mm-hmm. wants to be but nobody's listening so back to what i was saying earlier and i don't know honestly i just had like this this um divine kind of like experience sitting in a staff meeting one time and it was kind of like wow people are just not listening and they need to connect much better and and really uh so i am a christian and and one of the things that stood out for me was this idea of love thy neighbor as thyself right and this is where the love lens truly was born it's understanding that we need each other actually to 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 create wholeness and unity mm-hmm. uh, and and the truth is when we're not listening to each other, considering one another, where we're not trying to repair the relationship with ourselves, right? Because how do you show up um, unwell 
and and then expect to support others it's very difficult right. and so i i really um just started to take on this loveland kind of framework in everything that i was doing and even in my day-to-day life right how am i really listening to those around me how am i really listening to what the needs of the clients are who are they not connecting to or connecting to that's causing harm how could that relationship be repaired if it needs to be right um and then in organization same thing nobody's listening to the needs of the clients or to the needs of the employees how are we gonna get folks to to get in a space where they could show through true love right um and it's and and love people like to relegate it to romantic relationships but that that is only like a fraction of what love you know uh, how love can be expressed but truly it's in conflict that you see the deepest meaning of love show itself or manifest Mm. itself it's in conflict not in the ooey gooey butterflies frolicking in the air it's through conflict that you really know somebody cares or somebody is a ride or die or somebody is um you know able to work through kind of whatever experience it is and if we don't pay attention to the relationships in front of us, then, you know, what's, what's humanity really, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just, and so, yeah, that burden was kind of on my heart for a long while. And, and so I lead with that love lens. I lead in everything Mm -hmm. that I do with that love lens, um, trying to ensure I'm hearing and listening and valuing and seeing everybody I get in contact with, um, and use it as a framework when I'm addressing things like anti-black racism, as I had mentioned earlier. And, you know, that's the that's one of the key um, pieces that just got me like totally um, interested in getting to know you better, because uh, mm-hmm. like I work in corporate, obviously, and uh, I would say that I'm very bold about bringing love to corporate. Um, and I started doing that probably about seven years ago. Um, and it's a guiding principle. It is, yes. it, it's, it's like, it's in my emails, it's in my meetings, it's, yes. in, you know, it's in the, like, now I love that they have heart emojis. <laughs> like, you oh, know, yes. I'm like, yes. from thumbs love up it. to hearts, please. Thumbs up to hearts. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's true. I, I truly do believe that love is beyond that romantic element. It's just, oh, it's yeah. how we show up and lean in. There was something that you said in conflict. We, you know, is when we really see what love can do. Mm-hmm. And if we all le- if we all leave from that place, um, and it's funny, I'll just just sidebar. I was in a conflict moment, uh, you know, recently, and I remember it was a <laughs> it was a virtual experience, and I put myself on mute, and I used my hand to cover my mouth, mm-hmm. and what I was reciting to myself was, "I am love." Oh yeah, I am love. And then when I spoke next, I just, I trust myself that I knew that what was going to come out of my mouth was going to come from my heart. And intentionally, I think if we all can ground ourselves in that, you know, we will have much more meaningful experiences with one another, irrespective of whatever that workplace is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and similar to you, I'm, I'm often either praying or chanting to myself, just let me leave with my heart. Just let me leave with my heart. Like that's literally my thing to ground me and make sure I'm entering a space in a particular way. And 
Yeah, like it, it makes such a difference. It total difference. Total difference. To- good dis- oh gosh, girl. We can that's a whole different that's a whole different I know. podcast episode called Lead with Love. Maybe yes. maybe that's what this one's gonna be called, actually. Cause I think it's maybe. Uh, yeah, I think uh through it's been the prevailing obviously that's your passion, that's your calling. It and is. it's been I've heard it in every answer you've given. And uh yeah, yeah so thank you. So I do, um, I have some rapid thrivers that I want to um, take you through. But before that, I just want you to talk about quickly about uh, your involvement in the documentary Born in Sin and the impact it's had on spreading awareness about mental health and anti-Black racism. Well, I, you know, that was such an exciting kind of and nerve-wracking, obviously, experience. (laughs) It was kind of like the first documentary that I was in and and filming and whatnot. And I I just, you know, I was really actually nervous when I started filming. And I just remember the, the director and everybody just saying, Simone, you know this stuff? Just put it down and again, speak from your heart, which was nuts, right? Like, People know that that's what we all need, actually, which is really interesting. Um, so I, I think, you know, going through that process was extremely important for me because as a Black woman mm-hmm. and with many friends and family members, because it was really about single single moms, single mm-hmm. Black moms specifically, and how they are often portrayed and how anti-Black racism has really um, just demonized these women, right? Mm-hmm. And... I felt like it was so important to be a voice where many are voiceless mm-hmm. in the in this area specifically of single single black women and and people not recognizing that once again this is all systemic racism right mm-hmm. of course people make their choices and do their things but there's so much more to it there's so much more that we don't see or understand that places people in certain situations um but but even beyond that it's how people are interpreting it because mm-hmm. if it was a white woman versus a black woman we have different perceptions um so for me it was really important for it to be something that represented um black women maybe more accurately i think when we look at television um and we look at representation um for all black people true truly told it's often a false narrative Mm -hmm. and those false narratives however become the the true stories that people that don't live in our community start to grab onto Mm -hmm. so once again when we go into this idea of implicit or unconscious bias there are these ideals of who we are or who we are not or who we're supposed to be and and so to me this was a contribution to uh like showing or explaining what what anti-black racism does in terms of killing people's um character who they truly are and not giving people an opportunity to to um, be who they fully are, you know, um, but also ensuring that there's a level of representation um, presented in this documentary that showcased, you know, Black is so beautiful and amazing. And um, I think, you know, our society really has control the way in which we think about um, Black bodies. And yeah. so for me, it was just, it was so it was so impactful for me myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm hoping that people felt as though I did justice yeah. to kind of helping their narrative uh, be out there much more positively and accurately. And, and I did get a lot of great feedback. So um, yeah, it felt good. It felt really great to be a part of that. 
And so, for, and I should have probably given some context just to help uh, the listeners. So this was uh, this was a documentary. It was part of uh, being black in Toronto. It's part of I think it was the 2021 film festival. Um, 2022 or 2022? 2022. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and it and um, it was. The, the the scripture was uh, motherhood is an honor and a beautiful gift. However, mm-hmm. society often distinguishes between mothers who are deemed worthy or unworthy of the honor. Children born to unworthy mothers are stigmatized and in turn suffer m- marginalization. This documentary or the documentary explored the experience of a young single mother through the perspective of her father, daughter, and a clinical social worker and psychotherapist. As a community, as a community, they just shed light on the struggles and victories of those often vilified. No matter the circumstances, no child should feel born in sin. That's very powerful. Yeah, very very absolutely. powerful. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and Renee, who's the yeah Renee who, Byfield. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she did such an excellent job on on the film, and for her, it was a very healing moment. In fact, when we were filming she was crying a little bit because she's like oh my god i knew that i i knew what i felt i knew what it was but i couldn't Mm -hmm. articulate it and you really helped me put words to what my experience has been as a black woman with a daughter um you know and and so that was a really special moment as well that's awesome so i'm going to take you through a couple of rapid thrivers right now when you think of someone who inspires you who comes first to mind Ooh. Um, <laughs> oh god oh god oh god this is you can't be doing that um you know i i was gonna my aunt i often say my aunt mm. so she is someone who i feel has always made me feel important and mm. seen and valued oh. and again she's just someone that often led with love regardless she and she picked up on 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 times when you know you're feeling troubled and um maybe not so great. She just, she just has such a big heart. I I think she definitely is one person. And are you talking about her in present or past tense? In present. present. Okay. Okay. Yes. I love love it. She's the auntie. She's the auntie. She's my auntie. What what is the daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Oh my gosh. Reading my Bible and praying. Like they kind of go hand in hand in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's my goal. You know, it's so funny. I use the Bible app. Yes, for and sure. I love the fact that it has like a gamification. So every day when I open up the Bible, I could see how many days consecutively I've opened oh. it up. I, you know what yes. I'm talking about? Yes, I do. I'm at 463 days, girl. And let me tell oh, you something. Man. The only reason I'm at 463 is because I missed one day by like 10 minutes. I would have been like at 700 and like 825 or something like that if I hadn't. But anyway. Don't see the effort. Is that right? Is that right? It's okay. I'm at 463 again, so that feels really. Yes. I'll never forget when I was back at one. I was like, "Oh my god!" Anyway, I love that. I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah. What is a book that has helped you with your thrive outside of the Bible? Another book. Yeah. <laughs> Another book. Yeah. I know because I'm not. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not a big reader. However, I have been reading or podcast uh, or or anything. Anything that you listen to, watch. Okay, so recently. Mm-hmm. Recently, I will say there is this new. So his name is Tim Ross. You may know of him. Yeah. Um. So he's a he. He was a previous. He just retired from preaching, and he's now a podcaster. And he, um, has a podcast called "In the, the Basement," I believe it's called. Okay. I don't remember. I usually watch it on YouTube, but he is just. 
he he spits a lot of wisdom. He spits a lot of wisdom. Um, he's very direct about it too. I wouldn't say he's always leading with love, but he no, he for real is no, he does. He's just very direct, right? Um, but I think like his level of wisdom and knowledge and care for people is yeah. absolutely breathtaking, especially for a black man. The way he presents, yeah. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful kind of uh, experience for sure. I'm gonna yeah. check it out. It's Tim Ross actually, and it's the basement. So I will put the link yes. in, in the in the show notes. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. What is an app that helps you with your thrive? Oh my God, Spotify. Let me tell you, I <laughs> love love language. <laughs> I love how you answer these questions. Love language, if music. Like what we tell you, one of my. I love to laugh, and mm-hmm. if it's not laughing, it's music. I have mm-hmm. my music on day and night for the most mm-hmm. part when I'm cleaning. Like mm-hmm. music is just life for me. Like. Yeah, music is so Spotify. Yeah. You have different genres for different things? Uh yes and no. I will say it's mostly mostly gospel, but I love my old school RB. I love my soul kind of reggae when already. I love I love I just love music. But those are the those yeah. are the ones that I usually go between for sure. Okay. And um, with the work that you do, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, like just even your company, the name of it, the fact that you lead with love and and your love lens is, is, you know, how you look out at the world. What is one misconception that people have as you, as they see you in your thrive? Um, I think people think, Ooh, what's a misconception that they might have of me? Um, that I always have it together, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like people think I got it together all the time and that is far from the truth, honey. Like I, I would, I, I try, I try my best to, you know, manage my wellness and all of that as best as I can. And, and, and I absolutely have done a lot of work to, to be a little more, not a little more like, like just feel confident and, and walk authentically. Like mm-hmm. that is something that took time to, to get to, um, but I'm also a work in progress like everyone else. So yeah. yeah, I think sometimes people think that I just got it all figured out and whatnot. And that's not true. And, and I lean on my friends and people around me mm-hmm. um, because of that. Right. Yeah. Like we, we all need people and we all need support. And um, yeah, I feel like that is a misconception. People just think I'm always good and I'm okay. And, you know, I'm considered that strong friend oftentimes, mm-hmm. uh, but I had to call people out on that, you know, and, and they have replied. So, <laughs> so all is good, but yeah, I think that definitely has been a misconception for many years that I'm good and I'm just this strong black woman and whatnot. And it's like, nah, I need yeah, help too. I need help too. So mm-hmm. where do we find more of you online? So you could definitely find me on Instagram. I know. Uh, so that's at agape.lens. I also have a business page on LinkedIn at agape lens consulting and therapy. My website should be out very, very soon. So that'll be www.agapelensct.com. Agape lens ct.com. I love it. And, you know, we'll include that in the show notes as well so that people can always click there. And when it's ready and live, good to go. Perfect. I have one final question for you. This podcast is called Empowered in My Skin and would love to know what that means to you. Oh, Empowered in My Skin. That means walking 
um, authentically mm. in in every room you go into, in every experience that you're in, um, you know, being transparent and honest. Mm. Um, you know, authenticity for me is so important and, and something that I always try to support a lot of my clients around, mm-hmm. whether it's in corporate or um, therapy. And, mm-hmm. and so, and that's something that I've been living out and working and progressing in myself. And mm-hmm. I I don't think I feel more empowered than when I feel like I could just be Simone. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing more liberating than that. Oh, yeah. Simone. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. So, I love you. You know, I think we can oh, actually let you. people, yeah, you know, you can, you can say it. I love you unconditionally, right? Like without conditions. Oh, yeah. and, Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Mm. It's needed. Thank you for sharing a love lens framework with all of us. It's something that we can yes. tangibly grab hold of and use regardless of wherever it is that we find our, our human and, uh, and keep doing amazing work. I'm so blessed to be able to have this experience to share your like your passion, your calling with the world, right? Like that's essentially yes. what this does. We put this out there Absolutely. and it's for the world and um, one of our biggest missions is about helping people think in ways that are empowering and and having you on here is helping to achieve that mission so thank you so much simone thank you so much thank you so very much (laughs) and to everyone that's listening this is sadly where i have to say we're out (laughs) bye-bye there you have it i trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you get, you give, when you learn, you teach. So it would mean so much for us at EIMS if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and tag us. Feel free to leave us a review over at iTunes and follow us on social media at Empowered of My Skin. Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.